In preparation for the reading and preaching of God's Word, we're going to rise to sing Celebration Hymnal. That's the red books in front of you. Celebration Hymnal number 68. We praise Thee, O God, our Redeemer. We have two scripture passages this morning, an Old Testament scripture passage, which is not listed in your bulletin, and a New Testament scripture passage. Psalm 80 can be found in your pew Bible on page 919. We're going to read Psalm 80, and then we're going to read John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. Psalm 80, 919 of your pew Bibles. Here now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God, make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. O Lord God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You've made them drink tears by the bowlful. You've made us a source of contention to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, O God Almighty, make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its bows to the seas, it shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and the creatures of the field feed on it. Return to us, O God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. 
Your vine is cut down. It is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Now turning to John chapter 15. It can be found in your pew Bible on page 1,676. 1,676, John chapter 15, the first eight verses. Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burn. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." As far as the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to his people. Will you pray with me? Father, may I faithfully proclaim your word this morning. May your people receive it. Be challenged, be encouraged. To remain in Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The word in our passage this morning, remain, is the Greek word menu. It means to abide, remain, stay in. And it's important for us to grasp this word this morning because. We need to understand what it means to remain in Jesus. A lot is hanging on this. What does it mean to remain in Him? What does it mean to abide in Christ, to stay in? Hopefully this morning as we look at the passage, we will... Discover that together. That's why this morning, the theme that I want to draw out for us is that the Christian life, the Christian life can only be lived by faith in Christ. The Christian life can only be lived by faith in Christ. And it's going to be my argument, my point to drive home that this concept of remaining or abiding is one that is speaking of the nature of faith. 
the nature of faith. Faith is a disposition of receiving. Faith is a disposition of resting in Christ, of trusting not in yourself, not in what you bring to the table, but wholly in what Christ has accomplished and given to you. That's what the Heidelberg Catechism says, Christ and all his benefits. That that is what we receive by faith in him. Not what we grasp, not what we work for. Faith is not an allowance system. Faith is an all or nothing. It's a resting in Christ, remaining in him, abiding in him. And in order to look at that, we're going to look at the three pictures of Christ's parable this morning. That is the vine, the gardener, and the branches, and how all these fit into his parable, his short parable here of the vine and the branches and the gardener. So we're going to look at the vine first. And the vine here is what Jesus calls himself in the first part of verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. This is the last of one of the I am statements in the Gospel of John. It's important for us to understand that what's going on here at this point in the Gospel of John is what is often called the farewell discourse. Jesus is speaking to his disciples upon the eve of his betrayal, upon the eve of his going to the cross. These are the words that he wants his disciples to grasp, to understand about the the nature of the Christian life, the nature of what it means to be his disciple, right? And at the end of John chapter 14, we hear these words, come now, let us leave. So many people sort of wonder what it is that they are leaving to. We see John chapter 14 as a picture of the Last Supper, then what could possibly be happening now is Jesus is walking along with his disciples, and it could be the case that as they see these vineyards, Christ brings to mind this picture, this picture of the vine and the gardener and the branches, one that would have been very familiar to his disciples, an agrarian picture for an agrarian culture. The vine, the branches, the gardener. It's one that Jesus uses quite often as a parable throughout the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels. And often in those pictures, Israel is shown to be the vineyard, right? And that's why I wanted to read this morning Psalm 80 to you. Psalm 80 is a psalm of Asaph in which the psalmist describes Israel as a vineyard. In Psalm 80, Asaph, the psalmist, describes Israel like this, that you brought a vine out of Egypt and you planted it in the promised land, driving out the other nations in there. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. Remember what God did for the people of Israel. 
He cleared the people out of the promised land. And he said, now you're taking possession of cities you did not build, vineyards you did not plant, right? And in that land, when the people were worshiping the Lord, Yahweh, Asaph speaks of the blessing that God gave to this vineyard. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It went all the way out to the Euphrates. It went all the way out to the Mediterranean Sea. But when the people of Israel turned away to worship other gods and forsook Yahweh, Asaph says to God, Why have you broken down the walls of this vineyard so that all who come by pick at its grapes? Boars, animals from the forest, come into it and ravage it. The creatures of the field feed on it. But listen to what the psalmist then says. Watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it's burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you've raised up for yourself. So here in Psalm 80, the psalmist prophesies that really the true vine is not Israel. The true vine is Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, and God's right hand. And that's why Jesus says here, I am the true vine. The true Israel. I am the Son of Man at God's right hand. I am the Son that God has raised up. The root of David, who's been planted And this is important for us to see because here in John chapter 15, the people of Israel believed that they had life and blessing because they were God's people, Yahweh. But what Jesus is saying in this moment to his disciples is this, that all life has always and shall now forevermore Come only through me. What does it mean that Jesus is the true vine? Three things that we need to grasp. Just as the vine ministers life to emerging grapes, the nutrients that come to the grapes come through the vine, so new life comes to dead souls only by vital union, living union with Jesus Christ, what I call a true faith. What the Heidelberg Catechism calls true faith, resting, abiding, staying in, trusting in Christ. That's number one. Number two, just as the sap in the vine sustains the branches and the grapes, so spiritual life, Christian life, is nurtured only through vital living union with Jesus Christ or through only living by faith in Jesus Christ. And lastly, Just as the grapes come to ripeness for the harvest on the vine, so spiritual fruitfulness is developed and brought to maturity only through vital union, through living faith in Jesus Christ. 
So the three things that it means that Jesus is the true vine is this. The only way that spiritually dead people come to life is through Jesus Christ. The only way that we can have a spiritual life, a Christian life, that's nurtured is by faith in Jesus Christ. And lastly, the only way that we can bear fruitfulness in our lives, spiritual fruitfulness in our lives, is by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why I said the one thing I want us to grasp from a sermon this morning is that the Christian life can only be lived by faith in Jesus Christ. By faith in Jesus Christ. So that's the true vine. Just look at the gardener. Continuing on in his parable, Jesus says this. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So Christ is the true vine, but the Father here is pictured as the gardener. The Greek word here is the same word for the farmer or the vine dresser. Some other translations describe this. The idea here is that the Father is the one caring for this plant, this vineyard. And what is important to grasp here is that the branches need fatherly care. The branches need fatherly care. And we are to understand ourselves here as the branches in this picture. Christ is the vine. The Father is the gardener. We are the branches. And there are two types of branches described here about what the gardener, the Father, does. There are those that don't produce fruit and those that do produce fruit. Those that don't produce fruit and those that do produce fruit. Let's look at those that don't produce fruit first. The first thing that we realize is that branches on a vine, can you believe it or not, are expected to bear grapes. That branches on a vine are expected to bear grapes. So therefore, the people of God are expected to bear spiritual fruit. That if you are attached to the true vine, the natural result or the expectation of that is that you are going to bear fruit in your lives. And what are we supposed to understand by this fruit that we are to have in our lives? Well, many of you are familiar with the passage in Galatians that talks about the fruit of living according to the flesh, right? And compares that to the fruit of the what? Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, If we do not live according to the flesh, but live according to the Spirit. And my argument is that when Paul says, live according to the Spirit, what he's saying is, live by faith in Jesus Christ. By living vital union with Him. By resting, abiding in Christ By when we trust in Christ and his perfect work and the Spirit's work in our lives, working through us, that what we produce is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I always forget one. It's somewhere in there. 
One of you guys can tell me afterwards. And the idea here is not that we just participate in growing spiritual attitudes as if there are no actions connected with this fruit in our lives, right? But this is what Paul wants us to understand, that when we produce the spiritual fruit in our lives of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, that our actions become correlated or come into line with those spiritual fruits. When we have love in our lives, do we act in hatred? When we have joy in our lives, are we bitter towards others? When we have peace in our lives, are we stressed out and acting in accordance with that? When we have patience in our lives, do we act rude and impatient to those who are getting in the way of the things that we want to accomplish? You see what I'm getting at here, right? The fruits of the Spirit worked into our lives by living vital union with Jesus Christ, who is the vine, produces... Not only a new way of thinking, a new way of feeling, a new way of being, but also a new way of doing. A new way of doing. But here, we're told that the gardener, God, cuts off every branch in Christ that bears no fruit. A perfect example of this would be Judas Iscariot, he's recently been part of this story. He recently walked out of that fellowship meal, right? Never to return to the fellowship of Jesus and his disciples. Judas Iscariot is someone who was in Christ outwardly, right? From every angle that we could possibly look at that situation, Judas Iscariot was part of Jesus' group. He was with Jesus. He followed Jesus. He listened to all of Jesus' teachings. And remember, right, when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, that it wasn't the fact that everyone looked at Judas and said, oh, we know it's him. No, they said, could it be me? But Judas was someone who was in Christ who didn't bear fruit. Outwardly, he was in Christ, but he didn't bear fruit. And he's presented in the scriptures to us as a warning. But there's also the fruit or the, there's also those that do produce fruit. There are branches that do produce fruit. Christ says there are branches in me that don't produce fruit, and there are branches in me that do produce fruit. And this is what God does, the Father does, for those that do produce fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, the Father prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Pruning is the practice of cutting back, not cutting off. 
cutting back the fruitful branches, not cutting off the fruitful branches. I do not have green thumbs at all, so I'm really struggling to explain this analogy to you. Because if I tried to prune anything, it would no longer be alive, okay? But some of you might understand what this is. The idea of getting rid of branches so that there are less things to bring nutrients to so that there can be a higher production of fruit. And I don't have a green thumb, but we can know and trust that the Father is perfect in caring for the branches. He does not prune more than is necessary. He prunes perfectly the amount that is needed so that we can be the most productive Christians that we can be. Therefore, growing spiritually is a purging and refining process. This is something that we need to grasp Because we can begin to think that living fruitful lives for Jesus Christ means that we always and only produce more and more fruit. That it's upward and onward continuously. But Hebrews chapter 12 talks about this pruning concept that the Father does for us. But in Hebrews chapter 12 it uses the picture of a father and discipline instead. In Hebrews chapter 12, it quotes from the book of Proverbs about fatherly discipline. And it says that no one likes to be disciplined. But if you want to know the truth, only a father who loves his children will discipline them. Because it corrects them. It points them in a new direction. And going through discipline, we rather not have that, but it produces for us a fruit of righteousness. So the reality is, the Christian life is always upward and onward. But when the world looks at us suffering, struggling, Walking along, limping along, going through difficulties and trials, it says, see, ha, 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 look at those Christian people trusting in a God that obviously doesn't care about them. And what they don't see, what they don't understand, is that those things that are happening in our lives, even the things that are unimaginable that we wish wouldn't happen to us, cancer, suffering, death, financial hardship, relational difficulties, those things that the world looks at and points at and says, see, ha-ha, their God doesn't take care of them, are actually things brought into our lives by God's fatherly hand to produce fruit in us. So what are we to do when we're being pruned? When we're being pruned, we're to realize that this is an opportunity for us to say, what am I holding on to? What am I abiding in? What am I remaining in? What am I staying in? What am I trusting in that is not Christ? 
And to once again tell ourselves that only life, true life, comes when we are in the vine, connected to him, trusting in him. And we are to thank God that in his fatherly discipline and in his pruning process, he's getting rid of whatever is in us that is not abiding, remaining, that is not living by faith in Jesus Christ. Because the Christian life can only be lived by faith in Christ. Growing spiritually and producing fruit occurs by and through trusting in the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, and the Word given to us. Verse 3 says, Jesus says to his disciples, you're already clean because of the word. And D.A. Carson in his commentary on this says, The cleansing power of the word Jesus had spoken to his disciples then is equivalent to the life of the vine pulsating through the branches. So when God speaks to us through his word, he's calling us to abide, to remain, to trust in the word made flesh. Jesus Christ, in giving us life through it. So finally, let's look at these branches. Verse four through eight: Remain in me, and I will remain in you. I, remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself; it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine; you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burn. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verses 4 through 7 talk about the responsibility of the branches. That's us. What's our responsibility as those who are united with Christ? The first thing we need to understand is the principle of union with Christ, of faith in Christ, by living by faith in Christ. The branches in the vine must remain in constant union if the branches are to maintain their well-being and growth. And there are a few implications from this. Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. First, Jesus is speaking to the branches, or what we would call the visible church on earth. The external covenant community, all of those who profess to have faith in Jesus Christ, or all those who have been baptized. And the warning here is simple. The warning here is simple to all of us, and that's this. Outward religion and association with Christ is insufficient. You see what I'm saying, right? John Calvin said the same thing, that as long as we stand outside of Christ, we have nothing to do with him. We have no life from him. We must be in Christ. Therefore... Being a member at a church is not going to give you life. Therefore, 
having your status on Facebook as being a Christian is not going to give you life. Therefore, only simply outwardly being religious, outwardly being associated with Jesus is insufficient. Secondly, this means that every professing Christian must actively cultivate a living spiritual relationship to Christ, and this has been my argument, that is done by faith. The Christian life can only be lived by faith in Christ. Abiding in Christ means living in the daily exercise of true faith, of saving faith, of remaining faith, of abiding faith, of a trusting not in yourself and what you bring to the table, but only what Christ has and does for you. Christ and all his benefits for you. Thirdly, this means that Christ will be active by the Holy Spirit within the heart of every true believer. We love him because he first loved us is the logical correlation here. The logic is, as you abide in me, you can be assured that I am abiding in you. We are not left to our own resources. And that's why Jesus says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Is Jesus here saying that if you are not united in Christ, that you can't do the dishes or go to work or stack up a million-dollar empire? No, he's not saying that. He's saying you can do nothing of eternal value. You can do nothing that stores up for you a weight of glory in the new heavens and the new earth to come. You can do nothing that does not go away like moths and rust. You can do nothing to store up treasures for yourself in heaven. Is what he's saying here. But Christ gives this promise. That if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. And that is to say that someone who has true faith in Christ, who has a vital union with Christ, cannot help it but to bear fruit. And it makes sense. If you are connected to the person who is life itself, you're going to bring fruit. You're going to bear fruit fruit. And Christ promises that he will be there in us by the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit. Or, as I said, as you abide in me, you can be assured that I am abiding in you. We're not left to our own resources in order to cultivate fruit in our lives. And lastly, This defeats any universalist concept that there are many roads to reconciliation with God. Christ says, there is no fruit outside the vine. There is no life outside the vine. 
Or another way that he says it in the Gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's also the practice of union with Christ. What must we do to abide in Christ? Verses 5 through 7 speak of this. All who are truly united to Christ have the promise that they will bear much fruit. Christ is always faithful and can be trusted to sustain us as we look to his enabling grace and power. And we must remember that without Christ, we can do nothing. We have to depend wholly on the grace of Jesus Christ. This is a call to trust, not in ourselves and our own effort, but to know that the fruit we produce is the result of a Christ-enabled, spirit-empowered, changed heart committed to obedience to the law of God as an expression of gratitude. And finally, we're called to give ourselves to the task and calling of following Jesus. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you, is what Christ says in verse 7. If you abide in me assumes the desire to abide in Jesus. And as we abide, he teaches us his ways by his words. And as we are taught and our hearts are transformed and informed by the word and the Holy Spirit, we pray for God's will to be done in us and through us. And because our desires are aligned with God's word, he answers them. So when, when Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you, that doesn't mean, oh Jesus, I have faith in you, I want a Lamborghini, please. That means, as you abide in Christ, you become like Christ. And you want what he wants. And you desire what he desires. And you long for what he longs for. And so that's what you pray for. You pray for your will be done. Not my God, your will be done. In my life. And through my actions and my words. Right? Lastly, we look at the goal of the branches. In verse 8, Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Why must the branches abide in the vine? The answer given here is so that the Father may be glorified. The glory of God is the goal, and fruitful Christian living is the means When we live the Christian life by faith in Jesus Christ and we produce spiritual fruit in our lives, God is glorified. God expects that his people will bear much fruit. Here's the case though. If we do not live out of our real and vital union with Jesus Christ, or what I have told you today is, if we do not live by faith in Christ, by true faith in Him, trusting, resting, abiding in Him, we rob God of His glory. If we do not produce fruit in our lives, God is not glorified. On the other hand, Verse 8 here of Jesus saying 
This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, should excite us as well. Because that means that we, humble, sinful, fallen people redeemed by God's grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ, can actually give glory to God. That we can do that at all, that we can participate in the glorification of the one who is all glorious, all majestic, all powerful. It's a wonderful privilege. The transformation of men and women really and truly brings glory to God. Through the redemption of lost sinners by the blood of his own son, God displays his glory in all its wondrous majesty. And when we live out of our true faith, our vital union with Christ, when we rest in him, abide in him, remain in him, and when we bear fruit, all we are doing is putting that salvation on display. One in which no credit can be given to the branch. What credit is it to the branch? All the glory can only be given to God. The fruit of a changed life shines forth in the undeserved, transforming grace of God in the lives of fallen sinners. So what does it mean to remain, abide, stay in? I hope you see that what it means is the Christian life can only be lived by faith in Christ. We are the branches. He is the vine. If we are going to produce spiritual fruit in our lives, it is because we are connected to the one who is life. And we are trusting that he will provide for us all we stand in need of to live for his glory. It means trusting in him. It means Christ and all his benefits. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have by grace, united us with Jesus Christ. And may we live by faith in him. May we live through that vital living union with Jesus Christ. May, Lord, through that, we bear much fruit in our lives to your glory. Help us, strengthen us, encourage us, nourish us in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.